This is the Physical Activity Researcher Podcast, a podcast for researchers of sedentary behavior, physical activity, and sports. Join for a relaxed dialogue about research design, practicalities, and, well, anything related to research. Learn from your fellow researchers useful and relevant information that does not fit into formal content and limited space of scientific publications. And here is your host, researcher and entrepreneur, Ollie Tikkanen. Welcome, everyone. We are going to have a very interesting episode, and we have a super interesting guest for this episode. Earlier, our guest has been working as a physical therapist. Then he went to do his bachelor's and master's degree in Stellenbosch University in South Africa. From there, he went to do his PhD and postdoc in Leuven in Belgium, related to real-world biomechanical detection of fatigue, energy, and injury in runners using wearable trunk accelerometry. And now he is co-founder and CEO, CEO of RunEasy, company utilizing findings from his PhD and postdoc. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our guest, Dr. Kurt Schütte. Welcome, Kurt. Thank you, Oli. Thank you for the very kind introduction. Yeah, nice to nice to have you. So you have a interesting story going from a practitioner to researcher and then to forming a company which is creating products for physical therapists, for example. So could you tell a little bit more about your story starting from the work as as physical therapist? Yeah, sure. Uh, it actually starts even a little bit earlier than that. So I would say that my uh, curiosity for understanding where running or just in general where, where injuries come from started in high school with one of a you know high school project where everybody would say that rugby is the most dangerous sport in South Africa uh, the most injuries come from it you know you shouldn't allow your boys to play rugby it's brutal and um, well talking to my one of my friends were also playing hockey which is a very popular sport field hockey a lot of them were coming away with quite some severe injuries uh, from the ball, of course, and also kind of contact injuries. And so I did a little survey and I quite quite uh, nicely could show already it, uh, in, a, in a high school project that uh, the common assumptions about where injuries come from or what's dangerous was was not what we would believe to be. And actually rugby was relatively a lot more safe sport than you would believe. And that's kind of where my curiosity for sports science and physical therapy started. And uh, I studied in sports at Stellenbosch University beautiful town in South Africa, known for its winelands, and we have access to the most amazing outdoor facilities and just an amazing environment. And um, yeah, as, as a physical therapist, I got exposed to a lot of different, in my internship, a lot of different uh, types of uh, injuries and patients and populations. But what really, really became, I became passionate about was understanding more chronic overload types of injuries. They're often harder to identify. They kind of creep up on you. These, you know, type of you know overloading, um, stress fractures or running types of injuries that it's very hard to detect quite early. And I noticed uh, when we would do some running assessments, first of all, it was done on a treadmill, which is still a very, very good way of getting close to your patient. But we do it very subjectively, and we would look for key markers of how, you know, what is the, the movement pattern, how are runners, how are these patients compensating in different ways and what was quite shocking to me was that we all have our you know our 
our eye, our trained eye, or you could say, our subjective eye. But in the, every week we would compare sheets with our uh, with our colleagues, and we'd all pick up on different things. Oh, he moves his shoulders differently, or he moves, he's, he's, he's rotating his hips more, or he's overstriding, or the list went on and on and on and on. And it, I realized that was there was a, a big gap between kind of getting objective information in the practice and uh, what we were trained and trained to do and what we were trained to identify quickly um, and with our, with our physical therapy eye. And um, that's, yeah, I was very, had a unique opportunity to start doing some a master's research. I actually started an, an honors research project in South Africa. We have a, an honors before a master's degree. It's a little bit of a different system to the, to the European one. But we had a very interesting uh, honors research project on barefoot running. There was this massive craze in, in terms of uh, this new fad of, of running in barefoot shoes because of you know the, the inspiration that came from the book Born to Run, Crystal McDougall. Fantastic book. I mean, I recommend anyone that would, would read it. But it, it, what it did do was it triggered a lot of runners to start switching their, their footwear very quickly. And, of course, there's lots of things that uh, footwear can can influence, uh, but the main assumption there was that if you were running in traditional running shoes that we were not evolutionarily designed, uh, and there was re- a lot of interesting research from Daniel Lieberman from the Harvard lab saying that actually we were not designed to run on the heel, and that's causing a lot of modern-day overuse injuries you know, of anterior knee pain and and so forth, and a lot of these you know hip hip type of pain and knee pain. And so we, we, we sought to actually do an investigation, a biomechanical investigation. And that's where the gold standard was the first time opening up in Stellenbosch, in our, in our university. And I was very u- uniquely positioned to get access to the 3D motion capture, which is now, of course, all the top labs in the world have had it for quite a while. But to come to South Africa was a big thing. And we had a really cool topic and a really you know, current topic to investigate. And we found some astonishing things. And, and I realized there that through the biomechanical knowledge that we could, yeah, it was so much different from what we were doing in practice. And I just realized that, okay, I know what I want. I know what my, my destiny is. I need to go figure out and push the knowledge basis so we can eventually get it back into practice somehow and get the application going. So that's when biomechanics was just, yeah, it's the field that just really, really uh, got me going. And I had uh, super opportunities to present our research findings from that honors project, which became my master's project uh, at the American College of Sports Medicine in the United States, at the International Society of Biomechanics in Brazil, in Japan, in Cologne, uh, in, yeah, in Germany. And I just, it, it just, the, the interest was, was really, really high. And we had a lot of, uh, a lot of good feedback on the research. And that just took a tumbling, uh, a snowball effect, you could say. To stay in the, the biomechanical domain, I knew that, but uh, still find a way that this is going back to practice. Because we could give a lot of recommendations, for example, saying, well, maybe recommending these changing in shoes or minimalist shoes for everybody quickly is is something you have to do in a graduated way. You know, not just quickly change shoes and think you can run a, a marathon. Um, because a lot of lot of our research subjects, in fact, couldn't complete their their intervention because they ended up getting calf pain or Achilles tendonitis or stress fractures of, of the feet, you know, all these adverse things that change with rapid changing. So we could then give some clinical insights. Um, and when I went, I had yeah, basically one presentation at the university uh, at, at, at the international Congress in, 
in Brazil, Society of Biomechanics, and I met Benedict van Wanzele, professor in biomechanics at KU Leuven. And we immediately got talking about the, the, where's the future going in biomechanics. And it's kind of, kind of bumping in together with a whole bunch of new technologies that are coming out. Uh, one of them being uh, initial uh, measurement units, accelerometers. And, and, and mobile technologies, you know, the future will be a lab that will be outside where, where your athletes, where your patients are in a natural environment. Uh, of course, that was, that was the vision. And uh, there's a huge gap between that vision and the, the strategies of getting there and for technology to evolve, but for good science, for rigorous scientific analysis to actually go from that concept or, or that vision of, okay, how do we get, you know, small little sensors that you can wear in the body to a level of accuracy that you're confident you can get in clinical practice. Um, and so my career took a bit of a pivot again. So first from the physical therapist to the researcher, um, and, but then more towards yeah, coming to Belgium, where we're here in Belgium, especially KU Leuven, um, which is, uh, I will say for the university is is very very proud. It's 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 coined as the most innovative university in Europe. I think four or five years in a row, um, because we really strive. University really strives to put technology and transfer knowledge and disseminate that into into the industry where it can be used. Uh, and because of that, it's kind of a hub. It's it's a it's a buzzing melting pot of of interdisciplinary research. And that interdisciplinary research is what I got exposed to. I got exposed to experts in data science, in machine learning, in engineering, in signal processing, in programming, and all these different fields of expertise were coming in together and everybody was teaching everybody. And I felt like the learning process was so fast, so fast. And being exposed to that meant that I didn't have to develop all the skills needed to, to advance the next step but could collaborate really, really nicely. And because of that, we could design some really, really cool studies uh, inside the lab and then outside the lab. So my PhD took on the, 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 the challenge of getting initial measurement units to, to the, the satisfactory or the, the, the reliability and the validation from a biomechanical standpoint. What do we mean, mean by that is getting objective measures of either kinematics, so understanding human movement, or kinetics, understanding the forces and the direction of forces on the body, and as close to that as we can get as possible. Um, and thirdly, also spatiotemporal, so you know things like um, stride length or step frequency or how long ground contact time, how long your feet are on the ground, for all these measurements which always come back to one of two things, either injury, either injury prevention or rehabilitation, or performance. So improving uh, either one aspect of performance, whether it be for running economy or, um, or just overall speed when it comes to, to running. And um, yeah, and that's where the research really, what we, what we found there was the very first sensors we tested off the shelf, we really got some key insights. Um, and especially what we saw with the people that were, or the volunteers, the athletes that were in our study, they were really wanting to know about their running style. Like, how is this impacting their injury risk, their performance? And 
if we look back now, if you think about where the company of Ronesi is, we could say that would be our very first minimal viable prototype. We would just give some, yeah, we would make some some quick reports. When we say quick, if you think about it now, it's really slow. <laughs> so a couple of weeks or months, we would have to process the data. So you would have, you know, signal processing. We have a lot of, lot of raw signals talking about thousands upon millions of data points of raw data. And from there, you have to, you know, really condense it into a stride-by-stride basis or step-by-step basis, detect the left step or detect the right step. And from there, you would have to detect, okay, the phase, the gate, uh, the phases of the gate cycle. When is the ground, uh, ground phase? When is the flight phase or aerial? And even further, when you're in a ground, fa- ground contact phase, you have the weight of acceptance, so the, the impact absorption, so when, when, when there's impact uh, forces, and then you have the generation or the propulsive side. And so breaking it down all down to these narrow kind of gate events and getting meaningful measures out of that. Um, and only once we had that, then we could start okay, plotting and generating some very rough uh, plots from the data of, uh, so we could show them, look, this is how you're running, this is how you compare to other runners um, out there. And they would show that to their coaches and they would show that to their physical therapists and the physical therapists would come back to us and say, hey, how do we get access to this? Like, where can we buy this? We want this. <laughs> um, and that's when sort of a bit of the entrepreneurial uh, spark got ignited. And again, coming back to the environment, super key, um, Kay Leuven has got a technology transfer office that is always in the backdrops, kind of lurking, looking for opportunities for the university to to transfer you know, knowledge, um, research knowledge, either through intellectual property of patenting or through transferring that knowledge into a product that runs with higher technology. It's really high, like talking about high technology type of uh, companies. And um, that's where we, we had the, yeah, the opportunity again to build a proof of concept, a business plan, a business model, uh, and look for uh, yeah best product market fit for what we had to offer. And what we could very, very quickly identify is that um, you have two extremes at the moment. You have, if you, look, if you look what's out there for biomechanical analysis or gate analysis, on the one hand of the spectrum, you have these unbelievably sophisticated but accurate and precise gold standard systems like uh, Vicon motion capture or forest plates, 3D motion capture. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you have consumer devices. You have uh, which, which, depending on what you want to measure, it, it can be accurate, but when it comes to biomechanical information, when you're understanding the forces or the direction of forces, for example, a watch, a smartwatch, or a wristband, it doesn't have the level of accuracy or measure the, the, the right information that you can get to understand what is happening to the musculoskeletal system. Um, and then, of course, you have these extremes and um, where, 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 where consumer devices do have is the simplicity on real-world application ability. You know, it's easy to use. You have automated data. The whole pipeline is done for you. You don't need a, a sophisticated equipment to set up. There's virtually no calibration needed. You don't have to put a whole full set of markers on the body. So you know, setup time is almost you know gone from minutes and or hours down to seconds. You don't need uh, 
big, laborious equipment. You don't need lots of cameras. And you don't need a lot of money, especially. <laughs> to, you, don't, you don't need the budget of a university to, to do that. So that's what we saw. Like this, The gap is just too huge. Between, and why can't, those, why can't the benefits of both worlds be, be together? And uh, that's, that's, that was, that's where the entrepreneurial story began, actually. Thanks for joining us this week on Physical Activity Research Through Podcast. If you like the show, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on Twitter. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on Apple Podcast or whichever app you use. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be a great help for us. We have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes, so be sure to tune in. Thank you all for your support and have a great day.